and we're back with part two of Black History Month. And I don't know, we have a very exciting guest today. <laughs> we're back <laughs> with Elise Gary and then uh, our new VIP for today. So introduce yourself, Amber. <laughs> Hello, it is me, it is I, the legend, the icon, the revolutionary, Miss Amber St. James. I am a drag queen, uh, icon, activist, show producer, um, head uh, head woman in charge. Um, and, you know, I just I just bebop around um, producing shows, creating content, creating spaces for people, um, and just, you know, following wherever the queer ancestors will lead me. Love it. That was, wow, <laughs> that was a really good intro. It's like, okay, I need to take <laughs> notes uh, for my future. Woo! Woo, that's a lot. That's a lot. Wow, you do a lot. Thank I, you. I'm sorry. Like, this is like the part of me that just has to admit some of the things I've just never been really exposed to. I'm like underneath a rock. And then it's like, oh, I really need to have this person on my show. <laughs> like, yeah, I, like, I have mentioned Miss Amber St. James at least three times. You on did. This you did. And then it's just like, I don't need a concert, but then my brain, my hand, and my phone don't always connect. So it's like, see, I even <laughs> held it upside down. That's how. Hello. That's okay. It happens to the best <laughs> of us. Okay. And we do love uh good old free promo. So thank you for that. <laughs> free promo. Also, like we will be putting her, we'll be putting her so or sorry, we're gonna put their socials down at the bottom. And so if every if everyone who's listening wants to get a little bit more information to know a little about you, stalk your not a stock, but just like go through the infinite photos that will exist on your socials and like everyone, please do that by all means. Please do. I, I need love. Okay. I'm a drag queen. I'm very self-absorbed. I love to see lights coming through my phone. It's, you know, it's, it's a serotonin thing. So just help me with my serotonin um, situation. We're not going to call it a problem yet because I'm not addicted. Just yet. Um. I love how you had like no shame when you said very self-absorbed. This has like... not even been two minutes into the podcast and I already am wheezing. I miss oh. you so much. I just oh, want to say I miss that. you too. I miss yes. you too. I mean, since, since you two know each other and since I don't know, um, the full story about how the two of you met. How did the two of you meet anyways to begin with? Um, well, I'm gonna let Minnie take that one because my memory is what? Trash. And I say it all the time because it always is. <laughs> 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 Woo! Wow. Okay. Um, well, I um, just finished school at San Diego State. And when I, as a transfer student, and I came into San Diego State, um, completely lost. I moved out of, you know, my parents' house for the first time and went to a new school. And I was like, what do I do? Who do I meet? And I went to the Pride Center and I was like, oh, this is cool. Uh, oh. it's, it's a lot of, it's a lot of white people. Uh, and then I saw Miss Amber there and then she was like, hunty, you should come to our club that we have. It's called Black Queer Space. Take a flyer, come through. And I was like, I'm seen. Okay. Like, I know there's a lot of, I know, I know that like, I'm in this space with queer people and that's, that's my jam. That's who we are. But to be seen by someone who is you. And it's like, I know that there's these other people here, but like, right here right but here like we see each other yeah, like we, yeah. We, we, we get we get the gig um yeah, so yeah. yes that that was that was how we met um from my perspective you know girl I was I was sitting up in my workplace I was bebopping along on my little keyboard doing my little work or sending an email or doing a google doc I really don't know I don't know what the hell I did there um except you know make change um <laughs> but you know I was bebopping along and I saw this gorgeous black person walk up in the space and I was like oh wait a minute now, in this space where there ain't nothing but a whole bunch of white paint up on these walls and white people all up in this space, 
I got to make sure I get to know this person, right? So I'm like, oh, wait a minute. I'm honing in. I'm honing in. And I was like, mm, they might be queer. I mean, uh, usually people who come into the space are queer, but even if they're not, they might be questioning. They might have a friend. Let me go ahead and give them a flyer, right? So I gave I gave Minnie this little flyer. I was like, you know what? We have a Black queer space. If, you, if you're looking for it or if you might know somebody, you know, come on through. It's an open, uh, you know, comfortable space. Um, and, you know, we keep key. We have a good fun and all that kind of stuff. Um, and from there on, Minnie just never left the space. And it was the best thing that ever happened, honestly. Like every day I would walk in, Minnie would be there. I would walk in. Minnie wasn't there, but Minnie would come through at some point in time during the day, and my day would just brighten up. I'd be like, all right, okay, it's another Black person. Agony, 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 yes, we are stunning. So it was, it was, it was pretty amazing. Um, and honestly, like getting to know Minnie and like being able to work with Minnie has been so amazing. I love you so, 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 so much. Um, and I'm, I'm so proud of you. And I can't wait to see everything else that you do in this world because you've already done such gorgeous, stunning things. And I can only imagine where you will go from here. Thank you, love. Yeah. Oh, also, I guess I should say on the podcast, like I, um, I go by Elise or I go by Minnie. Um, usually, like it's, it's like my own version of code switching quickly. Um, for people who usually don't know about my sexuality, I let them call me Elise. And then for the ones who do, I let them call me Minnie. And it's just like super easy, like knowing who to talk to and who not to talk to. Um, but yeah, oh. that's, oh, don't, Jamory. No, 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 I don't, I don't. Just, that's a joke. It's just a joke. I don't, I don't. I love you. I love you. It's okay. I said, <laughs> oh, I only knew you as Elise. Well, dang, I guess I, was, I know what I our friendship gonna, is. Okay. I was not going to be... I was not gonna be a petty fool, be like, oh, okay. I see after how many episodes of me together, I'm not privy to that name. Okay, girl. But no, 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 I'm just, it's just a joke. I know, I know. It's okay. It's completely fine. Whatever name you use. Actually, I should probably put that out there that I go by Jan Rini here. That's my full legal name. Um, the people of Fulfilling Destiny tend to call me Marini because that's how our founder knew me by. So, uh, but usually I kept that with my family. So they didn't know uh, how important that name was to me. And it's just like, no, no, wait, they're family too. Like whoever I meet, whoever I spend time with and build connections, they should be considered my family too. So I shouldn't try to separate them so much. Before I kept it separate, now I'm like coming a long way of like integrating both my names together so I can feel more comfortable using my full name. Because it's just a that. nightmare sometimes when people pronounce my name wrong. It's like, it's phonet it phonetically makes sense. How could you get it wrong in comparison to other names or that are a little bit more complex than mine? It's just like, my college professors, I love you to death, but sometimes <laughs> you you stress me out. But anyways, like other than that, I also go by, since I play, I stream on the other side, I also go by Blake, um, but I use them very interchangeably. But for here, mm, you can call me Jan, you can okay. call me Marini, call me Blake, doesn't matter, I respond to all of them. So yeah. I thought that felt like a streamer's chair. I really did. I was like, oh, this is the kind of chair I see when I'll be watching them gaming videos. And I was like, I wonder if they do gaming. I wonder if they're a streamer. I, 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 okay, I love that. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> it is, but um, consider all with the, the Zelda poster in the back, obviously. Obviously. Oh yeah. Oh, and there's pops. Oh wait a minute. Okay, I should have been there. Okay, I live. <laughs> no, no, no. It's it's perfectly fine. But yeah, just at, at least for names go. That's how my names go. It's good that we got that cleared up for at least who those who are curious and see our our name titles later. And then actually, that's actually one of the questions I had for you, Amber. Is that how did you find that name now, Amber St. James? Because Woo, well, I'm gonna take you on a quick trip. Um, <laughs> okay. History books on Mixed Amber James. There we so, go. 
Um, basically, I came to this name for multiple different reasons. So I mm -hmm. had been dibbling and dabbling in the drags, um, not doing it well. You know, I used to look very busted, didn't know how to do makeup. So I didn't do makeup, didn't have money for wigs. So I made them out of yarn, as did I make the rest of my clothing out of yarn. Yarn? Was not cute. Yes. Well, because so my grandmother taught me how to crochet um, and she taught me like how to do like blankets and little things like that. And my gay ass. Um, you know, I, I decided I was like, well, I want to try my hand at like maybe making a little dress here, make a little form fitting bodycon over there, make a little gown over here. Um, and I came to create like almost 32 different like drag things before I'd even gotten started in drags because like I really loved like women's clothing and all kinds of extra, you know, all the kind of stuff. So it is like my senior year of high school. I, you know, I, again, I've dibbled and dabbled in the drags just a little bit, not doing it well. Um, and our teacher was like, oh, well, we want you, uh, you know, to do, like, we know that you're all smart because it was my apron and science class. And our teacher's like, oh, we, I know you're all smart, you know, but I want to know more about who you are as students because mm -hmm. so often, like, because you're all in these AP classes, all you'll ever talk to is like, you're just a smart student. That's it. You have no identity outside of that. So it was almost like a show and tell. And I decided that I wanted to show and tell. Um, all the things that I created in drag, well, all the, all of the things that I crocheted. And at the same time, I was also really, really obsessed with um, Beyonce's Let's Move. Um, no, is it Let's Move? Yes, it's Let's Move. It was the version that she did for Nickelodeon for like, you know, all the kids go outside and play, you know, stop watching TV, all that kind of good stuff. Um, so I was really obsessed with that. So I decided, it's like, well, I don't just want to show the things that I've crocheted that are like, you know, oh, here's a little bag, here's a little pillow, here's a little blanket. I was like, I want to be like, here's a little gown, here's a little dress, here's a little hey. bam, right? Hey. And so I was like, well, um, they only really fit on me. So I guess I have to model them. So I guess that means I have to do drag. Um, and so, you know, I did the little drags. It was a cute little moment. Um, you know, when I see video of it now, I'm like, oh, oh, cringe. Uh, oh, very, oh, very. It's like a whole body cringe. It is a whole body cringe. Like the, it was just, oh, uh, it was not cute. But fast forward, I get into college, it's my freshman year, and here comes this drag stuff again. And there's like all these poses for a drag show coming up. And so I go to it, it's cute, it's fun. I was like, you know what? I wanna try this again. I wanna do this the right way, right? Mm -hmm. So after going to like one show, I then went to the Pride Center, similar to as most queer folks do, trying to look for some old queer stuff. So I walk into the Pride Center, you know, I uh, befriend one of the uh, one of the performers from the night before. And I was like, oh my God, you're so stunning. You're so iconic. You were so great. Like, I would love to, you know, um, you know, I would love to know more about like what y'all do and like, you know, other things that, you know, other performances and stuff like that, da, 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 da. So we create a bond and a friendship. She soon becomes my drag mother. And eventually I get into my first real like performance competition situation and they're like, well, you need a name. And I was like, well, back in my high school days when I was a messy little girl, um, I had a YouTube channel, uh, a very different old YouTube channel that has since been deleted, uh, uh, where I would yeah, talk a thanks. lot of mess, a lot of mess about a lot of my uh, fellow students that were getting on my goddamn god dang nerves um and I had a character on there with the name of Amber who was like my younger sister who would like mm. always be annoying and always in my face and so I was like well I guess I already have a character so we'll just call her Amber and I was like well let's let's mm, Amber we'll go with James since that's like my real last name and then I was like well that's not enough Amber James just like there's not enough happening there like that's boring I don't want to be a boring girl I want to be you know possessed do something and so I was like well Hmm. Ooh, same. Ooh. Ooh, that's sickening. That's very old school drag. Like, that's the kind of girl that walks up in the room. You're like, oh, I want to know who she is. Um, so I decided to be Amber St. James. Um, and a little behind the scenes tea. Um in the history of Amber. Uh, originally, because of having the middle name Saint, I also 
was supposed to be like British. So I like had a British accent and everything for maybe the first few months of like really doing drag. And then I eventually dropped it because I was like, girl, this is too much. This is too much. I was about to say, like, so, like can we get a teaser British, of this? Like, it just, like, no, wasn't it her was, cup of like, tea. Really uh, uh, it, was, it, was, it was just not what I thought it was going to be. So I decided that I could not do the British accent anymore. It just it just was not something that really came um, very, very easily to me. So I just decided that I was not going to do it anymore. Oh, that was quite lovely then. <laughs> oh wow absolutely stunning stunning beautiful gorgeous <laughs> wow so that's a, that's a really long and it's it's it actually pretty brief it's a lot more briefer than i expected honestly i mean the longer version is long. longer <laughs> <laughs> so wait, wait 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 because i've i've only really i've only really known drag because of RuPaul's drag race i've i only mm. got to i don't know maybe season five with a friend and i with a bottle of wine and a lot of Korean barbecue while we watch. <laughs> I love that. Um, but uh, so is it drag mothers give you names or you have to come up with your name first? Um, it all differs. Um, some some drag mothers will give their uh, their drag children uh, their names. Um, sometimes you'll have your own name before you even have a drag mother or drag mm -hmm. parents or anything like that. Um, for me before, like she was my drag mother, but it was in a more informal sense. She didn't like become my official drag mother until I had kind of started my own house. And when people would ask me, oh, like, do you have a drag mother? Like, she's the person I would say is my drag mother. And so then she she owned that and she she walked in that and she's like, all right, I will formally be your drag mother. Not that she wasn't already, but we didn't we didn't make it like formal. It's like, oh, mom, I'm doing a gig. It'd be like, oh, hey, Lucy, um, I'm doing da 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 I need your help. Or, oh, hey, Lucy, can you come do this show with me? Da -da -da -da. Now it's like, oh, my mother, like my mom, hello. <laughs> Oh, actually, I just want to make—I just want to make this really quick because I'm curious. How old are you again, Amber? I am 25. Wow, I had to think about that. Oh, That's fun. <laughs> we're the same age, Lord. Oh, we are. Oh, we word. are. Word. Wait, when, when's your birthday? December 13th, 1995. Does that make me older? Yes, it does. I'm the oldest one here. <laughs> That's okay. That no, 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 is no, no, no. Okay. No, it's a okay. But then, like when I when I when I look at you, you're beautiful, absolutely, and I see your makeup. Oh. I was like. Can I even do that right now? It's like I, I oh, you fully I can. Oh, you fully. I mean, well, I, maybe, I like, could, but like, if I were to do it right now on cam, <laughs> it's gonna be a mess. Like, I need multiple hands to just even keep my I eye. Just, open look, when here's I do what I will say. <laughs> I've gotten into beginning to like upload my makeup process because mm. now that I have a very um iconographic, iconographic, whatever, it's iconic. Um, but like because I have a very recognizable like makeup routine and face and like way that I do it. Um, a lot of people ask me. I decided I was like, well, maybe I'll just like start uploading when I like do my makeup like do like a time lapse or i'll do the like little tiktok things um because people tend to want to know and i'm i'm always very like i don't i don't see why like it's i mean yes i get it like it's different it's cute it's like mm, it's, it's everything really um <laughs> but you could definitely do it you could definitely do it. it took me it took me a very long time to learn how to do makeup i, I did not wear <laughs> a makeup face for maybe the first two to three years of doing drag I did not know how to do makeup, so I did not do it. So and you then just when went bareface. Have people who weren't black doing it, so I would show up like a ghost, and that just really was not the team. <sighs> so then I was forced to have to learn how to do my own makeup. And I was like, wait a minute, I I can't be out here looking like Flashback Mary James Charles. This is not the mood. This is not the gig. This is not the moment. Wow. Okay. Well, since we're bringing up makeup, actually, how long did it take for you to do your routine? Right from like the beginning of you, uh, the beginning of your drag journey up until now. Like, how long would it take to put your face on the costumes, um, the dresses, and I everything? I would say before when I first started, it would take me somewhere around like four hours to get into drag. Um, mostly because like I I didn't really know what I was doing. I would always be keying. I wouldn't really be like focused on the time. So it was more of like 
um, feeling out the vibe and just like, mm, vibing out, very that, right? Um, yeah, but yeah. as I began to become booked and busy and like have a schedule, um, I had to make that much quicker because I'm usually always running late. Um, so I'm always like having to usually block out about maybe two, two hours now is where I, I can kind of get stuff done within two hours. If I've prepped it the day before, like I've already chosen out my costume, I already know what makeup I'm going to do, I already know what wig I'm going to do. Oh, Jesus, excuse me, sorry. That was a burp. Um, yeah. <clears throat> now it only takes me two hours because I prep beforehand. For instance, like today's look, I knew going to sleep yesterday, I was like, oh, I want to do something like rainbow-esque, but I don't want it to be like my natural, my like typical rainbow eye. I know what kind of wig I want to do. Still was trying to figure out what kind of look, but I knew what kind of vibe I wanted to give. So it only took me maybe about an hour and a half um, today. And this is a different makeup than I usually do. Well, to a degree with the eye, it is a different um, technique. Uh, not in the shade, but maybe you can teach that to Kamora. Oh. Okay, anyways. <laughs> Wait, is there something I'm missing there? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a Drag Race so, reference, because there was a cool yeah, yeah, I okay. forever. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, first of all, Kamora Hall, absolutely mwah, stunning, beautiful, oh gorgeous. The gowns, gorgeous and, gowns, gorgeous gowns. <laughs> absolutely beautiful. Face is always beautiful, always snatched, looks absolutely amazing. Um, but Kamora... Um, was judged by her other queens in season 13 this season for taking a little extra time to get ready. Okay. Um, <clears throat> she said it normally takes about four hours to get ready. So, you know, and it's like, you can't, you can't do that. You can't- In competition. Well, yeah, okay, in competition, no. At your regular little bar where you can wake up at whatever time. Yeah, then that's fine. Drink. Yeah. Of course, take four hours. But when you got to get on a girl, you, you better get on that goddamn runway. You, do you <laughs> want to win this round? I don't think so. Four hours is not going to win it. And it didn't. Oh, <laughs> oh well, spoiler. It didn't. Spoiler. Oh, it's on the sushi. No, it's okay. It's okay. Because okay. I, I haven't watched it episode yet. eight. If you haven't, if that was, that happened, okay, episode, that happened like episode one. If you haven't, if we're on episode eight now. If you didn't know that. I got I got seasons to catch up there, loves. <laughs> it's going to take me a <laughs> okay, well, well, I guess we're, we're now talking no, about it. Honestly, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> It'll yeah. take me a while and I won't remember it. Maybe. Yeah, but uh, but uh, Miss Amber getting ready and doing time lapses is very like Monet Exchange vibes. Um, and sorry, or Monique Monique Hart, definitely that. Definitely love those. I mean, I take a lot of inspiration from a lot of the girls. Like, I remember when Monet started doing a lot of like urban streetwear and like making it really fashionable. And I immediately was like, oh my god, like I I would love to get into that kind of realm because one, it's so much easier on my pocketbook, <laughs> like to buy like, you know, Forever 21 and like sparkle it up or style it a certain kind of way and make it look cute. Um, and you know, for Monique, like, oh my God, like her makeup, her personality, like so many of these amazing black performers from RuPaul's Drag Race and just black performers in general, usually that I've met, um, are always such great inspirations to me. And like, you know, I take a little bit that I've learned or that um, they've inspired me to and I like add it to my drag and, you know, constantly evolving and developing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Even the few that have come to San Diego State, you know, that yes. Miss Amber has put on, you know, <laughs> that's a, that's a brag, name drop, you know, <laughs> Big. You, but, you know, maybe, you know, Miss Bob the Drag Queen, purse first, uh, you has know, you come know. through, you know, Shea Coulee, who I've taken a picture with. <laughs> Uh, I was about to say, it's like, can they come on this podcast too at some point? Well, wait a minute. <laughs> it's 
took a very long time to curate and, you know, mm-hmm. there, there's a certain je ne sais quoi to uh, culminating those relationships, um, to being able to bring them not only to, you know, different venues and like here mm-hmm. in San Diego, um, but also to a lot of the different shows that me and my sisters put on through our production company, Sisters of St. James Productions, um, which we're very, very proud of. But it, it does take a lot of work. And I think a lot of times um, people just assume like, oh, all, all drag queens know each other. Y'all, you could just hit up uh, RuPaul, right? You got her number. Just call her and tell her, come on. I'm like, girl, if I had RuPaul's number, do you think I would be where I am right now with my drag career? Honey, no. <laughs> like, it takes it take time and commitment. It does. Those relationships to be able to be like, hey, um, I need a favor. Can you come on through to this show? <laughs> no, that's actually perfect. That kind of blends into some of the questions that I see, like, on, on our Google Docs that, um, like I said, it takes time to make those connections to other people. And then some names, like, I'm sorry, I didn't know your name, any shooter. Uh, but it's like, like your name in comparison to some of the bigger names out there. So it's just like, how how did you and your other uh, black drag artists start to come into more prominence lately uh, with all this exposure lately? Especially now since it's COVID. So because pr- like shows and productions had to be put online, right? Mm. Or they had to take a backseat because we can't do in-person shows anymore. So I wanted to mm. know how like any drag artists or even black drag artists have adapted to these new changes these days oh absolutely um so for for me like speaking to like my own experience um as a performer and then also as a black uh as a black performer uh as a performer because i i have in the past and i still do here and there um work a lot with san diego state in curating and producing a lot of their large-scale drag shows where we in person would typically get you know close to about a thousand people if not over that um dealing with like budgets of like 20 to thirty thousand dollars and stuff like that so like i worked very very closely with a lot of performers i had to be the point of contact for a lot of the rue girls that you know would be coming down to perform and stuff like that um so i was able to kind of build my name through having a platform to do that mm-hmm. um, and being able to be like, oh, I'm also the one who planned it. And, you know, I'm also the one who put the, the marketing together and created the campaign and then also performed and, you know, also got all of our performers and then also, you know, taught them uh, the, the opening number and the closing number. Like being the one in control um, of such large scale shows is how I was able to build my name uh, at the college level. And then that began to spread into the community and people were like, oh, like I, we didn't know all these big shows were happening, you know, in San Diego with all these giant like drag names. Like I want to go. And so then, you know, uh, a lot of community members would begin to like reach out to me of like wanting to perform, wanting to be able to come to the show. So then, you know, we would have to switch the shows and change and figure out new dynamics of like, how can we have more community relations in that? Um, And then from there, people were like, oh, not only are you like the head, the head in charge of the show, but you're also like a sticking performer. So like, we want to get you like out into like the scene. We want to book you for this, we want to book you for that. Um, And from there, you know, I became who I am now, um, but I've always like integrated my blackness into my performances. So I never really had a choice. Well, I would say there was, there was a time where I used to do like a lot of just Beyonce because I think as, as, uh, as a black performer, a lot of us don't necessarily always know like what kind of numbers to do, what our personality and persona is going to be. So a lot of us start off just doing Beyonce because she's sickening. We know the the choreo usually. Okay, so it's like that's where we usually start off. And then, you know, we begin to culminate what is our personality? What are the things that we stand for? What kind of performances do we want to do? And from there is when I began to more heavily integrate uh, more diverse sides of my Blackness, right? And beginning to 
try to weave in my activism into my uh, into my performances, you know, making sure that they were intentional, that there was a storyline, that it was talking about something mm-hmm. that actually had depth and value and weight. Um, so with all that being said, when COVID did hit, I was in the midst of planning yet another show for San Diego State. Um, and we were trying to figure out like, oh my God, what do we do? We can't do it in person. Like what, what can we do now to still provide this space for so many people that like they don't necessarily always have like that queer inclusive space, even if it is with the lens of like drag, it's still a queer inclusive loving space. How do we create that for people? in the midst of a pandemic and at the time like there was a couple different instagram uh live shows that drag queens and performers were doing um and then um you you'll probably have to bleep their name um but their name is bitch pudding um they did oh the first God. at least to the best of my knowledge <laughs> they did the first like digital drag show on twitch and from there like a lot of performers were like oh my god we didn't realize like, that's a platform to utilize and so then you know it really began to spark a lot of inspiration of like oh like we can still do this in a digital realm we would just have to figure out new innovative ways of like mm-hmm. doing performances putting them together curating it producing uh-huh. it working with our performers working with our locals working with our um uh, our not famous girls jesus <laughs> working with our rude girls um and all that kind of stuff and we were able to produce so many iconic digital shows um which really is what um sparked a lot of a lot of what ended up creating uh, my, uh, or me and my sister's um, production company, Sisters of St. James Productions, because we got to play around with like, you know, figuring out what works, what didn't work with San Diego State. And we're like, well, we know what we liked and we know what works. So we're going to do those things on our own. Um, so we're consistently being able to produce content because when working at the university, you only have so many shows. Um, and we right. wanted to be able to also produce content for our local like scene here in San Diego because there weren't there weren't a lot of shows and a lot of girls weren't able to figure or not weren't able to figure out but a lot of them they hadn't gotten to that place of like oh we can produce our own shows it was still like oh well um I'll show up to this girl's show who like lives in Long Beach or who lives in Las Vegas and stuff like that um in a digital uh, sense and so you know we wanted to be able to produce like San Diego content for San Diego because so many performers and people who usually come out and watch our shows they had nothing to watch anymore. It was like, oh, everything's either paid or I don't know all these other performers that exist in this world. So like, what am I going to do? Wow. That's, that's a, that's a lot. (laughs) No, honestly, like just as like, as a content, as a content creator, not just for this podcast, just, but for my own stuff is that you always have to put out content because there's going to be someone out there who's going to need it. Like whatever, yeah. Like whatever niche it is, it's just like, but it takes a lot of time, it takes a lot of energy, especially for like a one person team, or if you have a team of yourself, like you with you and the rest of the girls out there who are just pumping out content and content and content. So that's it, that's a lifeline for some people, especially if oh, we it, were trying it, to make a queer really, inclusive space. It really, really is. And I think I'm honestly so 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 grateful, not only to my drag sisters, but my to my entire drag family. Mm-hmm. They have been so so helpful. Um, they are always helping me behind the scenes, both and in-person shows and now that are now that we have digital shows with our digital shows as well. Um, I like knowing me and knowing my ADHD and my um, love of having control, <laughs> um, I sh- I'm sure I could have forced myself to produce a bunch of shows by myself, but I'm glad that I don't have to. I'm glad that I have a support system um, mm-hmm. that is always there. And we have such great feedback from all of our followers and all of our different fan bases that really, really enjoy our shows and love what we stand for and love what we produce um, because we do it for the love of drag because we're just performers who love to produce. We love, we love to create content for people, to enjoy, to have that escapism, to connect to something that they may not you know, necessarily always see in their everyday life. We are just trying to make a difference and drag is our way. Speaking about that, since like, I love bridging and I love segues because that's basically <laughs> how I do things. I mean, that's kind of like my job, like as a host, but yeah. but you, you you gave it like a really good opening for this thing. So like you've mentioned before that you're integrating as you like develop more of your, uh, your drag style, you'd wanted to mm. put more of it in your culture. Can you tell me more about that? Like, what do you mean when you're trying to incorporate a lot more of your blackness? I think that was the phrase that you were using a while okay. ago. 
Ooh, ooh, I <clears throat> thought I felt the burp. We are um, we are all a little works. like we, we drank too much water <laughs> and we're all like secretly coughing. Like you know, I mean that's okay. Hydrate. We're staying hydrated. That's that. what really matters. Hydrate, hydrate, <laughs> everyone hi hydrate. They hydrate yeah, well, and then I'm like, oh, I need a cough, but like you can't cough. <laughs> Hey, we're more than six feet apart. We're well in our right Okay, now. yes. Okay, very <laughs> that, very that, very that. Um, so for me and how I integrated my Blackness into my performances more, um, honestly, I it was because of like taking a lot of Africana Studies courses um, while in college, which like now I have my, my uh, I was going to say master's, I don't have that yet. Um, but I have now that I have my degree, which is in uh, partially in Africana Studies, also in counseling um, and communications. But taking a lot of Africana Studies courses, um, I began to really reconnect with my blackness and like the feeling of my ancestors always being there always watching over me and it began mm -hmm. to spill over into kind of changing how i viewed my queerness and seeing that i don't exist solely alone as myself i oh, exist okay. as the extension of all of the work that my ancestors and people who have come before me have done right right and so in that i was like i want to pay homage to that i want to bring that more into my performances however i can right so i started to take more leaps of faith in terms of like not shying away from like putting gospel music into some of my performances right because i was like i i love it i'm gonna be real honest I perform a lot for a lot of white people, right? So when I do those performances, I'm always like, well, they're either going to get this or they're not going to get it. But either way, I'm doing this for me. Like, yeah. I want to put this in there because I want it in there, right? And if they really enjoy my performance, then they'll be able to connect to it regardless that it's a gospel performance or it has gospel in it, right? Then from there, extending into, like, I wanted to diversify what kind of performances that I did and no longer doing, like, singular songs. Like, oh, I want to make a mix. that Like, I get to curate what is the story that we're following? What is the statement that I'm making, right? right? And in that, I then get to create what is the vibe, what is the atmosphere, what is the feeling of this performance, right? And being able to uh, put in there, you know, specific kind of songs that in invoke a certain kind of emotion, which when done by somebody who looks like me, gives a certain kind of message, a certain kind of statement, right? And then from there, I was like, well, now that I'm not afraid of integrating more parts my personality and more parts of my culture now that I've uh well you can say mastered because I I really don't do singular numbers anymore I mostly do mixes so we'll say that I've mastered how to like do a mix and like really make it intentional I was like well what else can I do to like really make people have to confront the fact that like I am black like you don't get to detach my blackness from me especially in drag because there tends to be a lot of white drag performers which is not not a bad thing but just it's it's an observation we'll say mm -hmm. um and so i think a lot of times drag becomes this monolith of like oh it's just this queer thing it's separate of race you know like it's above race it's above class you know it doesn't have all these issues and problems and i'm like no sis when i'm creating a number i i i'm i am the embodiment of all the parts of my identity so yes my my performances and my drag is black my performances and my and my, and my drag is low income like it, it's all these things that create who i am right so how can i do a better job of making sure that people can't detach that and i was like well well, what about your looks? What about what they exactly see in the midst of your performance, right? So then I, that began to um, uh, influence like the kind of clothing that I would begin to purchase, the kind of wigs that I would begin to purchase, the way that I did my makeup. I was like, I want to be blackity, blackity, black, 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 where there is <laughs> no debate on the fact that Amber St. James is black and is about blackness and the beauty of blackness the diverse uh, the diversity of blackness the versatility <laughs> the multiplicity all of these things like yeah. there will never be a time where you will see Amber St. James and not go oh she black like even if you couldn't see my skin oh honey you know I'm black okay um <laughs> and it just it 
it opened something in me that really allowed me to continuously see the beauty and then to be able to create beauty and blackness and be able to see the beauty inside of me and to see all of the works of my ancestors and being able to be who I am, which now I've been able and been so, so fortunate to like be able to be the first in so many different things. I now have like three different um, titles that I hold that are all first of their kind, which is, you know, absolutely amazing. Um, and I wouldn't be able to be who I am or do the things that I do if I didn't decide to be courageous in deciding to be me and to be holistically all parts of me and no longer feel shame of who I am because it might make other people feel uncomfortable. If they're uncomfortable, that's okay. There are thousands of other, well, there's probably millions of other performers in this world that y'all can go and see, that y'all can go and follow, and it doesn't have to be me, and that's okay, that I'm not necessarily for everybody. But from what I've seen, a lot of people like me, so. <laughs> just just got to put that in there. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, look, you're entitled to your own wrong opinion, even if I don't agree, but that's okay. <laughs> I mean, like like you said, like, because we we got into a little bit before we started the show, because we just wanted to catch up and see how we would vibe with each other. Uh, you want to tell us a little bit more about that, your makeup, to tell us, like, that story that you try to create? Because I know yeah. you took time. You took time to do this look, and I, I honestly love it. But maybe there's oh, something yeah. that I'm missing because I'm not... I'm not black, so I don't know. <laughs> some like I know makeup means a lot to people, and I know that especially if you're a performer, sometimes mm. everything is shown on your face. So it's mm, like, yes. tell me the story. Like, walk me through it. Yes. What, what 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 am I seeing here? <laughs> so for me, because I am African American um, and not like African from the actual continent, um, I'm descendants of slaves. Um, I don't know my specific like heritage and background, mm. what tribes I come from, what specific uh, countries in Africa I come from. Um, so out of one to pay homage to what my history could be, I do tribal markings on my face, right? Right. My specific tribal markings do not have a specific meaning. Granted, historically, tribal markings can. But mm -hmm. to the best of my knowledge, I have not yet, nor do I necessarily um, see it in the future for myself using tribal prints that actually have specific meanings because those are very sacred things that yeah, I don't right. just want to, um, you know, throw on my face and be like, oh my god, yes, it's a setting of the gorgeous. Ah! Like, no, I'm like, those are very sacred things that have meanings, that have traditions that I don't want to be encroaching on just for the the flash of it, right? right. So for me, I do my own take on those by, you know, doing graphic, uh, graphic kinds of um, like white eyeliner um, paint. Why am I forgetting words? White eyeliner um, graphic art and stuff like that on my face that is very reminiscent of tribal paintings but bringing it into like the 21st century kind of situation and then also um I love color both because I'm queer and it's also because I love color um so you will usually see me sporting a very vibrant colorful eye which is also very very reminiscent of uh African patterns African colors it is a very 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 vibrant culture that has so many different kinds of African prints that are very uh vibrant and colorful to represent a lot of the diversity in Africa and a lot of the different diversity in the culture um, so in those different kind of ways is where I try to pay homage in just my makeup. Um, and then usually in my hair, I try to pay homage to my African-American in terms of like from the Americas, descendant of slaves, African diaspora kind of situation um, by trying to pay homage to a lot of like urban black identity through like doing cornrows or doing braids or doing goddess locks. Mm -hmm. um, and again, in those, I do love color again, because I'm queer. And also, you know, as we've talked about before, you know, the different uh, African cultural uh, 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 inclusion of like vibrant colors and things like that. Um, so, you know, in all these different small ways, I try to be 
as black as I can be, even in the intricate things where people won't know those. Like, oh my God, she had such a pretty, uh, you know, makeup on. Um, and I'll be like, yeah, thank you. And then for the people that like, no, they're like, oh, girl, what kind of bathroom? Yeah, I see what you're doing there. And I'll be like, see, you get it. You you get the the secondary story that I'm also telling for the people who don't necessarily see it. Again. Like, if you know, you know, type of thing. Yeah, if you know, you know. And if you don't know, then you're just like, oh my God, your makeup is so like different. It's so like eclectic. It's so like foreign. I love it. And you know, that works too in the midst of a bar with Sue Ann. Thank you, Sue Ann. <laughs> no, because it's I, I think it's I think it's nice too. Like you said, you're trying to blend a little bit of contemporary. Of course, we try not to use a sacred text or sacred markings because those could be very meaningful to people and somebody could get very, very upset. But yes. uh but I love the way that it looks. Like it just looks really nice. I don't know. I just <laughs> I love makeup too. I, I like I would actually <laughs> scroll through like Yes, this is like my throwaway to like Bugs Beauty, Michelle Fawn, like my 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 Asian makeup uh, artist. And I'm just like looking, yes! it's just like I want to do all that. Just uh money. Like, yes, they did like the the dollar store makeup routines and all that, but I'm just mm. like, wow, when you really take the time, it really just look really fleshed out and really pretty. Um I mean a lot of it is just like play in it just play in the makeup like a lot of people like oh my god like like I had one uh performer tell me when I went to uh, a coronation maybe last year I think it was last year I went to a coronation and one queen had told me she was like I really I love your makeup like are you a makeup artist because like the way that you do your makeup I almost forget that you have a beard and I know that she meant that as a compliment and I did take it as a compliment granted I was like um I am a bearded queen so I don't I don't know what you're saying now um but for me I was like wow like I now, people see me as a makeup artist when just a few years ago, I did not know how to do makeup, like at all. I didn't understand the products. I didn't understand the tools, the equipment. I had no idea. But because I played in the makeup and just, you know, felt it out and was like, oh, well, I like this shape or, oh, I like these colors. Like now I, I have an you actual, it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like I have, I have a branded face now, right? So I honestly, I encourage people if they want to get involved in makeup or learn how to do makeup, just start playing in it, right? Play in the stuff that's like not expensive because you don't, you don't want to no, be no. buying a really no. expensive <laughs> palette that you like, you know, crumbling and playing in that, you know, Yeah. Um, but just start playing in it and figuring out what works for you. And then you will eventually get to that place where you can be just like all these make, uh, amazing makeup artists that, you know, people love and are like, oh my God, I want to do this. Like, I want to do that. Look, y'all can do just the same thing. You just got to start playing. Mm. Well, I mean, um, like flowing into that, um, you know, as you said, you were first. Let's not forget to mention that. Yeah, I'm, what is I'm your titles? Please you tell are, me. Yes, that, and also because, um, <clears throat> you know, had to name drop, you have a piece in the San Diego Tribune. Um, oh, so, yeah, I did. <laughs> you know, you do. So, you know, first of all, like, tell us about what your first, what your titles are. And then also, like, you know, you touched on, you know, being a bearded queen, which we can see, but for our listeners who don't see that, you are a bearded queen. And so, like, how would you say, because, like, you talked about, like, gender blending and, you know, and, like, blending, you know, all of that. So how would you say like that type of drag influences your drag and other drags? Because um, for those of you who don't watch Drag Race, um, y- you're not going to see a booted queen, you know? Yeah, you, not really. You're not. <laughs> oh, yeah. Also, like, that's my follow-up question that I wanted to ask. It's like, uh, why a bearded queen? And then, you know, because like, like, like Elise said, is that not everyone does it? And then, like, from the ones I've seen in shows, they shave or, like, do, like, behind the scenes, like, preparing for shows, you would Ooh. see them 
shaving. They'll usually shave to get ready. Like, mm-hmm, to get yep. ready, or like clean you up. Get clocked by Michelle Bashage if she sees your five o'clock shadow. Yeah, oh, girl, so, I'm gonna walk yeah. up in there with a, a thirty o'clock shadow and be like, "Girl, let's see yeah. clocking. It's here. I, I, it's just, no way not to clock it." Yeah, like I'm just, I'm just curious too, because it's just like, well, it's like wonder i like yes that, that was a trade of thought in my head it's like what like i wonder how it would look like if you didn't have that but that's just mm-hmm. that, that's just a thought that i have not not that you ever have no, yeah, no 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 you're fine so oh, yeah. uh yeah so, 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 here, so we'll, yeah. we'll get into yeah. them first so, yeah. titles through... gender blending and then tell me the story about the beard <laughs> of course so to go through the titles um i currently hold four Yes, I hold four titles wow. right now. Um, my first one is the 2019 California 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 Regional Bearded Queen runner-up. Um, I'm nice. the first in, here in California. Um, it was a full Bearded Queen pageant that was being done by the National Bearded Queen system, I believe. I could be I could be misnaming that because they, there's been some changes and all kinds of things that have happened since then. Um, but that was actually my very first, uh, that was my very first pageant in the San Diego drag scene. I have done uh, countless, like, other competitions and things at San Diego State and, like, won some titles there. Um, but in terms of, like, nationally recognized. Mm-hmm. Um, then after that, I then ran for Mix MX San Diego Pride uh, 2019, um, which was the first time they were ever doing a MX uh, title, which is a gender neutral title. So usually mm-hmm. during Pride, they'll have a couple different titles that queer folks out in the scene can run for um, just to be like representatives of their community. So they're usually a Mr., a Mrs., a Ms., and then they, uh, in 2019, the first time ever, they did an MX for uh, mm-hmm. gender neutral people, non-binary people, because they hadn't really been represented. Um, I had a couple of friends that reached out to me and they're like oh you should definitely run for this i was like ah i don't know like i'm shy i don't know if i'm ready to do all that and they're like no you really should and i was like okay i guess and so i did it i won Nice, nice. Um, so I made history as the first ever MX San Diego Pride in 2019. And yeah, to we boot, as a black. Yes. Yes. I'm also now black history because the first ever one is also black. So mm-hmm. hey, yo, let's go. Um, then later in that same year, the International Imperial Court System, which is where I have um, the MX San Diego Pride title through, which to... To make it simpler, basically the imperial, the international imperial court system is like think Queen Elizabeth, but like queer people. Um, it is actually, oh. I believe, the longest running queer organization in existence, um, and it has like ladies, lords, chancellors, kings, queens, um, dukes, all that kind of stuff. Like it is very Indeed. Queen Elizabeth Dang. in that kind of matter. Like that's what I mean. So. I ran for the international title because they had their first ever MX international one. And again, people were like, well, you have the one here in San Diego. So what's stopping you from like getting the international? I was like, well, wait a minute now. That's, that's <laughs> a little too much. Are y'all sure? Like, this is like an international. Like, there's going to be like some heavy hitters out there. Probably there's going to be some like sickening people like running for these things. So it's like, this is an international title. I went, I ran, I won again. (laughs) I then made history yet again as uh, the first ever MX International uh, Pride um, through the International Imperial Court System in 2019. And yet again, I was Black History because the first one is also Black. Um, Yes, then later, way later in the year, um, at that coronation that I was talking about, 
there was a portion of it where, well, it was actually before the coronation, it was like the week before the coronation, um, there was this big celebration that happened in San Diego, uh, providing a bunch of titles and awards and recognition to a lot of community uh, community activists and people here in San Diego. Um, and I was not aware that I was one of those people that was going to be getting um, a title, um, but I was crowned a life, wait, I, I have it written down, because I want to make sure that I say this correctly, because it's, it's a lot of words, um, oh, but it oh, is a oh. lifetime title um, that I like will forever have for like the rest of my life which is pretty sickening and that cool. is awesome um what is it uh, da, 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 da. ah there we go so it is called the ebony diamond phoenix crown prince x um i had them change it from princess to prince x with an x on the end because it's like well all of my other titles are gender neutral so why don't we go ahead and make history and create a new title for me then um and so they did that um so what that basically means is that i am an actual legitimate princess or princex um and i will have that title for the rest of my life which is pretty cool um so whenever we do like coronations or get togethers um or uh, recognitions and things like that because they usually have one every year um I will get to walk in the procession of all the other like amazing people who have uh, lifetime titles um, in the procession of people walking in and all that kind of stuff and get to stand on stages and have, you know, beautiful crowns and things like that. Um, so those are the four titles that I currently hold that are like national um, titles, which is pretty cool and stunning. Um, I also have like a couple of awards and things, but also like I win a lot of stuff. So we're not going to sit here and talk about those all day. Um, but yeah, that's, that's, that's all the titles and all that kind of stuff. Um, wow. To jump into being a bearded queen. Wait, that is the, was that the second yeah. one? That's the second yes. So how I came to become a beauty queen, basically it was out of necessity because when I had first like started, started drag, um, my mother didn't know and I didn't want to tell her. So it would be really awkward if I had to like shave my beard every so often and it'd be like, why did you do that? This was out of the ordinary. You have no reason to shave your beard. Why are you shaving? Right? Um, so I had to keep the beard. Uh, and so I began to try to figure out how to integrate it into my makeup and integrate it into my like uh, performance and everything like that. And then I began to like see like actual bearded queens. And I was like, oh, this is the thing. Like you can actually do this. And at the time, like I was still... I was still grappling with like wanting to wanting to almost adhere not almost I wanted to adhere to a lot of like the beauty standards of what like a drag queen is supposed to be so like if you go far which I'm not suggesting that you go super far into my Instagram because I start looking real busted if you keep going too far but if you go a little too far um there are some photos of me like without a beard in mm. full drag but also it was when I didn't know how to do makeup very well so I don't look that stunning. Um, <laughs> but um, at the time, you know, of wanting to feel as beautiful as like all these other performers that were coming up in the scene, speaking um, to like San Diego, uh, San Diego State University kind of scene, because that's where I was more or less raised in drag. Um, there was a lot of like really pretty queens that like would shave their beards and all kinds of stuff. And I was like, oh, I just want to be pretty like them. You know, I want to be skinny and pretty and white and all these things. Um, and at the same time, I was also dealing with my gender identity and I had a lot of body dysmorphia. So I hated my like all of my body hair, my facial hair, everything. Um, and it wasn't until like I started to see really diverse queens and like fine bearded queens that I was like, oh, like there can be beauty in this. And from there, it really transferred into me seeing beauty in myself outside of drag into where I began to not hate my body as much as I used to of like, oh my God, all this body hair, I'm so disgusting. I'm gross. I'm never going to find anybody. No one's going to love me. All these different kind of things. But as I began to see the value and beauty in bearded drag, I began to see the value and beauty in myself because it's like, oh, if I can be beautiful in drag with a beard, what's stopping me from being beautiful without the drag and just having the beard and like the body handle this kind of stuff right so it really began to change how i began to perceive myself um and now like i i would not dare try i mean not that i couldn't i thought about it before i was like oh wouldn't it be so sickening if i just like gagged the girls and shut it without a beard people would be so gagged because i'd look 
even more stunning. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I, I would not switch it or change it for the world. I love who I am. I love my beard. It has become such an integral part of who I am. Um, and honestly, what it does for a lot of folks is it shows them that there can be beauty outside of the traditional standards of beauty, both in drag and just in general. Like to see somebody who is bearded like me still be able to turn a sickening look and look so beautiful and gorgeous. People are like, oh, they are not adhering to beauty standards and can still be beautiful, which means I can do the same thing. And like, they can translate that to whatever that beauty standard is that they're fighting with or that they're grappling with at the time. So that's how I became the gorgeous bearded beauty that I am. And that's what it does for people. Ooh, yes. Mm. I mean, there was another question, but as I said in the beginning, my memory is trash. You don't have to remind me. No, it was perfectly fine. You, you touched on it. You touched Whoa, on gender gender blending. So ah, yes, yes yeah. Yes, yes. So oh, it, I did. yeah, perfect. Yeah, you basically touched about you touched on that too. Like, also, I think that's really beautiful that you were able to uh, go from like loving yourself with the beard on with your dry and loving yourself outside of it, despite all the the feelings that you initially felt before the you didn't like yourself, body dysphoria, because. We love ourselves more, it'd but it'd it's, be real rough out here. It do be real rough. Um, actually, I just now, I, when I take gorgeous <laughs> photos. Oh, honey, you cannot get me off my screen. I will be. I will take a photo, and I will be looking at that photo for straight ten minutes. <laughs> Literally, I have caught myself full blown sitting in my bed, scrolling through old photos of myself, just screaming, just being like, Ah, my God, who, who told me I could be this beautiful? Ah, who, 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 who said I could be this gorgeous? Oh, who gave me the right? I know hey, it's it, right. love yourself more. That means screaming at your phone for another ten minutes. But uh, uh, because also on that, uh, because you you put a lot of your like blackness, you put everything about yourself onto your your shows, your productions, your dresses, your makeup, and your hair. Will we see more of that in uh, the drag community uh, as time progresses? Oh, absolutely. I think I think that a lot of performers, um, because a lot of performers of color have been able to so beautifully integrate their culture into their drag, so many people are being able to see that like drag is not just it's not it's not what it used to be. It's not just like oh you're gonna go see a man in a dress and he's like gonna be funny da da da. It's like no, drag is so expansive and can do so many different things. Like drag is no longer just for entertainment. Like drag is a movement and has become so much more than just like oh watching somebody perform on stage. Age. And I, I love to see it because I, I see so many more people being fearless in, in choosing to integrate their culture into their drag, right? And then to integrate so many different kinds of facets of their culture into their drag. And it's so beautiful to watch. I can't wait. I need to. I need to watch more shows, honestly, because that's, like, that's what I'm missing out. <laughs> well, on. I mean, look, we have hey, a show. We got one right up. here, but I... <laughs> um, yes. also, like speaking of, like about culture, and I know this is like something that it's always been touched on on the news, and I know that we see these a lot of times in headlines. Um, how can people or allies of the community for Dragon and for the Black community as well? How can we help? Right, give people more exposure without getting involved too much in cultural appropriation because we see that a lot some other artists would appropriate some black culture or from mm -hmm. and it's done wrong done poorly or like it's well intended but they missed the mark stuff like stuff like that like how can we be better allies for you especially me since i'm the i'm not black i'm asian <laughs> i was like how can you better supporters uh for people like you or for other artists like you in the community i think the best way that people can do that is by listening and asking right listening mm -hmm. asking doing the research like those are probably if i had to boil it down to three things those would be the three things asking listening and doing people doing your research like if you ask those communities how can i better be an ally to you right for some folks like they will answer because you know they they are in that mindset and they are they are in a space to be able to 
navigate and converse with somebody on like, here's what I need from you. Here's how you can better support me, right? When they're not, just listen, right? What what are these communities already saying that they need support with, right? What are they already saying are the best ways to engage with them in their culture, right? And when that doesn't work, do research. Like Google is a thing, right? There's been tons of people who've come before me and before all of us, right? Who've already spoke on so many different things, have already written so many different things that it's like, there's so much content out there for people to absorb, to learn about how to be better allies to these communities that it's like, look, if you try it, if, if, if all this fails, Ask Google, and I'm sure they'll find a Black person who of their own accord decided to upload those resources and that information so you didn't have to ask and annoy some random Black person that you just met or one of your Black friends that's already going through enough stuff just being Black in America. Like, those, that, that is probably the best way that people could support. And um, selfishly, people could also, like, financially support, um, you know, all oh, of us performers, you know, whether that be in our shows that we're doing, mm-hmm. making sure that you are, like, sharing flyers, showing up to shows, um, tipping the performers, right, you know, Please. and not just during Black History or not just when we're performing, but, like, when you when you think back on a memory, like, oh, God, that was such a good memory. Oh, my God, I'm so grateful that they taught me that. Tip them, too. Okay, Mm -hmm. like so many different ways that people can support. Like there are so many different ways that people can support that isn't just what we're typically told. Like I, for me, like people, I because people ask me this a lot, especially as a performer who is branded as an activist, you know, people are consistently asking me like, oh, how can can I better support you and the work that you do? And I'm like, by showing up, like showing up when I have a show or showing out to the like in-person shows or digital shows or making sure that you're telling other people about me or that you're uh, recommending me to like other, other events, other programs to do trainings, like keep me in your mouth, keep me relevant, okay? Keep me booked, keep me busy, keep me financially stable, right? Like there's so many (laughs) different ways that people can, and diversify what they see as supporting the community. And, you know, I don't want people to feel like, oh, there's only this one way. Um, and I also don't want people to forget, like, education is a big part of that. Like, when I don't have to teach you something because you didn't taught it to yourself, that makes my job 10 times easier because that's work that Absolutely. I don't have to um, uh, put into, like, doing that teaching work that I could be doing, doing the actual work. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. I mean, well I, I, know you, I know you said um, something that you don't have to do teaching but i'm gonna ask you a teaching question anyways uh, <laughs> yeah 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 That's okay because i'm here oh. I'm, I'm here willingly to teach <laughs> well you know as as i am a black person um and the few times that i've had black history uh, taught in school um mm-hmm. and it is uh, you get a little you get a little booklet and that little booklet is going to show you the really 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 black people who've made it if you yep. made you it yeah. so you're going to see your tiger woods your Arthur Ashe, your Madam C.J. Walker, your Serena Williams, you know, your, you know, George Washington Carver. Mm -hmm. And so you see all these names and then, you know, you're like, wait, yeah, that fits my black identity, but like an intersectionality that doesn't fit my queer identity. Mm -hmm. So, you know, how do we write, you know, these black queer trailblazers back into our history? You know, because like I said, we know all those other names. Like Mm -hmm. how many people know about, Alec Baldwin. How many people know about Marsha P. Johnson? You know, I do not know them. There, there you have it right there. I don't know them. So <laughs> I'm putting yeah. my reputation on the line by saying, like, wow, I am completely way out no, of my and queer it's okay because of my queer history. Like, especially when it comes to like queer history, like people, everyone knows Harvey Milk. Everyone knows Harvey Milk. Mm-hmm. Well, like, and everyone's seen the movie, but it's like, how many people know about Marsha P. Johnson? Mm-hmm. You know? And, you know, like in the work she did. And so it's, it's things, it's things like that, where it's like, you know, how, how do we, how do we write that back in, you know? That is such a good question. And I think, and I, I, I want to say, 
because I, I, there was a, I don't remember what show I was watching. It might've been Trevor Noah. I don't know. Also, he's super cute. Um, but I was watching something and they had made the point that was like, basically, if we stopped constricting black history to only being taught in February, that this could solve a lot of these issues, right? Because we would have, it would be more integrated into just the teaching of history, right? And in that, with having more time and it being more consistent, we could be able to talk about more diverse facets of Black people and, and Blackness as an identity, right? To where there wouldn't be like, oh, well, um, there was also a, a trans woman who threw a brick. All right, end of February. Like, no, like if we were actually talking about Black history in conjunction with white history that we are forced, mandated to learn, right? If we integrated it into those things, then we wouldn't have to be like, oh, well, we can only choose these number of Black people to always talk about to the end of time. Like, we could actually open it up to being able to diversify the kinds of Black people that we're learning about, right? Not to mention also not trying to separate out people's identities and being like, oh, well, during this month, we're only going to teach this. During this month, we're only going to teach this. I'm like, if y'all just taught history, as history is, intersectionality, or no, intersectionally, um, we wouldn't have all these issues, right? There wouldn't be all this like, oh, well, I don't feel represented. They'd be like, well, we're actually going to, today we're going to be talking about Black people, white people, Latinx people, API people, queer people. Like, we're talking just about history as it's evolving because it wasn't, history wasn't just happening to a few people. Like, history was happening to all of us, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That that was actually something that I thought about, too. Uh, like, having having history separate in blocks of months like i said there's mm. black history month there's pride there's uh there's women's month women's month mm -hmm. hispanic like heritage yeah, month. yeah hispanic yeah. heritage month all of those months and then some of those months of the year kids are not in school although like even the public school system like high school middle school elementary some of those months don't apply to the learning so they would never get exposed to the to that chance unless you're at the college level then you have you know, you have summer classes and you winter Complete winter bias, classes. Racist professors, <laughs> constant debt, <laughs> <laughs> and education occasionally. Yeah, well, no, like stuff like that's like, like you said, it just feels strange a little bit, and it's just like, oh, they have this whole month. And I know I've heard people complain, like in my classes or my courses, where I was like, why do we have to dedicate a month to just these individuals and that you could take that you could take that question in a lot of different you could take it as like well why can't you just be happy for them that they have something to really open up their history and then at the other hand it's just like well they're forgetting other things as well mm -hmm. like so you could take mm -hmm. in a whole different uh you could take that question in different ways and depending on how you see it i could see it in those ways too. it's like well you have a month for your, your community that's great but then mm -hmm. what else is happening at the same time that we're also forgetting and like i said we're trying mm -hmm. to put queer folk back into the history books like that. But like I said, we do need to put history just as history is told it. Like if it's happening here in America, what's happening here in in, in this X country at the same time? Mm. With what is no, their yes, issues? Fully. And I and I think yeah. what it what it boils down to is really it's deconstructing the systems that we've created for what education is supposed to look like, right? Mm -hmm. Like we wouldn't have to have all of these singled out, like, oh, this month for this, this month for this, this month for this, if there wasn't so much of like, oh, well, the history that we're all forced to learn is so monolithic and white that 
everybody else has to get their own month. It's like, if it was just an inclusion at the beginning state of it, there wouldn't need to be, oh, well, we didn't, we forgot to talk about y'all. So we'll talk about y'all in May. Or, oh, we forgot to talk about y'all. We'll talk about y'all in October, right? Like there wouldn't need to be all this segregated uh, months out if it was just integrated from the beginning, which I think is what so many people confuse it for. And they're like, oh, well, no, like you, you agree as well. Like there shouldn't be a Black History Month. It's like, no, 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 no. I'm not saying that there shouldn't be. I'm saying that there's a problem in the fact that we, be, there's a problem in the educational system in the fact that because of how our history is taught and our and our education is taught, that there need that there is a necessity need that there needs to be one. a month because y'all are not talked about enough, right? It's like if we talked about everybody, if we talked about everybody, then there wouldn't be a need for to us to talk it. about them over here because we forgot about them in the main storyline, right? Right. Integrate us into the main storyline. We are not no side. Mm-hmm. Like it was, a, it was a quote that I've seen. I don't know where I've seen it, but it's just like. Uh, it was it was a conversation. I think it was a conversation between a white individual and a black individual. It was like, uh, like why do you have a black history? It's like just or like how come we don't have a white history month? And I say we just in the context of what yeah. I what I've read. And it's just mm. like just be glad that you didn't need to have a month dedicated to you because, like you said, everyone else has either been written in the history books in the perspective at the time by white historians, and then yeah, it's just like just the fact that we have one means that we're not talked about enough. But the fact that if people feel like the majority of the people, like white individuals who don't, who feel a little intimidated or very intimidated by just having black culture for February, it's just like, just be glad that you never had to struggle to even be seen, right? You need to yeah. be seen. And yeah. not that we had to settle for being- to be seen. Yeah, you we don't are, need to settle for a month. You are what's on TV. You are the main <laughs> situation. Like, we, there's no problem that we ain't gonna see y'all. We see too much of y'all, okay? We don't see a whole lot of everybody else. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, like, it's like like share the spotlight like please like let like yes it's a month but it doesn't need to be just this month it could be every day 365 days a year till the end of time as we know it before our, you know our planet blows up by an asteroid or something but that or climate change <laughs> it's happening it's yes happening. it is yeah, uh, texas <laughs> yeah texas was freezing now it's 80 degrees now it's yeah i'm sweating like if <laughs> if, if that isn't climate change please tell me what is mm-hmm. tell me tell, tell me, me. Yes. But I mean, I, I definitely can second that and agree with that because, you know, just thinking the three of us here in this, in mm-hmm. this little space right here, you know, we've had the privilege, we've been blessed enough to go to school and to, you know, just first of all, to complete up to high school, because in some places you don't get can't do that. Yeah. And then we were even more blessed by being able to go to college mm-hmm. and then, you know, get a higher education degree. And just in that time, just in our little, our little talk right here, just thinking back of, K through 12, yeah, Black History Month, like that's pretty much it. And when you get to hear about like, you know, Black history and, you know, if you're talking about like, you know, minorities, we're talking about like the really sad stuff that happens, that's it. So for Native Americans, we're gonna hear about the Trail of Tears. Mm -hmm. For Black people, we're gonna hear about the, you know, triangle, the triangle trade. And then when you go into college and you have to take a history course, that history course, is not required to be an African-American history studies or a Chicano, Chicana, Chicana X history class. You know, it's not a Native American class. It's American history. And what is that yet again? We're learning about all the way back. How do we get democracy? Oh, let's talk about the Greeks and the Romans. And, you know, and then let's talk about the British Empire. And it's like, again, we are talking about these people who not who aren't us mm-hmm. you know we're yeah like we're gonna like give you the small little asterisks you know you know you know poc people but like that's it 
you know, and then it's like, or, or when we talk about Asian people, we're going to talk about the Chinese people. That's it. And yeah. it's, it also plays into like the racism of why people only say like, oh, oh, are you Chinese? Well, you're Asian. So I thought you were Chinese yeah. because that's all you learn about. You learn or, about the Great Wall. Mm-hmm. You learn about quote unquote opium dens, you know, because that mm-hmm. racist thing keeps being brought up in history, mm-hmm. no matter how many times we try to not talk about it. Or, so, or the conversations know. I have with like other people who don't know the complexity of Asian history. It's just like, well, you're not this color with this type of eye. Yeah. Therefore, you're yeah. not Asian. You're Pacific Islander. It's like, no, 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 no. I may look like someone who's from a, from from the Pacific Islands, but I'm not a Pacific Islander. Like there's mm-hmm. a clear distinction there. It's like, no, but you know, if you draw this all, it's like, no, 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 no. I am not. <laughs> like, like, if I'm born if, in no. It's like, like, yeah, no. I think I think I know who I like, am. Oh good. Like, I'm my so birth glad certificate. That you are the foremost expert on me more than myself. Yeah. I was just like, <laughs> you're telling me where I'm born does not make me Asian. It's like my birth certificate is in Japanese. It's like, hello, <laughs> excuse me. Yeah, like, no, that's just a typo. That's just a really big typo all over the paper. <laughs> yeah, like, but like you said, like, stuff like that, like, that asterisk of, like, oh, we'll talk about, like, when you said British imperialism, right? It's just, like, or Spanish imperialism, Inquisition, and all that. Just, like, there's that little dot of the Philippine Islands, like, right there. We hear, like, Brenda Magellan, but then, and it's like, oh, the Philippines, they were overtaken. And I was just like, that, 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 that's it? Like, that's all I get? Yeah. My yep. my baby stamp in the history book is just we were oppressed. It's like gr- great. I mean, like well, the majority of our cultures were at some point, <laughs> yeah. at some point, yeah. and still is today. But you know, it's just like I, you know, there's more to our histories than that. But then it's not until you get to the college level, if people even get there in the first place, that they get to choose what they want to listen to the histories of. If it yeah. is so happens to be European history, it's like go for it. I love European history because I just like how big it is. But there's just a lot of information on it. But in mm. other places or in other communities, you don't hear a lot from it unless you actively look for it. So like Chicano X studies, like or African studies, Asian American studies, and all that. Oh, obviously there's a lot of information. I just need to look. But yeah, it's not readily available. It's not accessible. It's not accessible unless you get there or you're at that education level to even go there. Unless you have like regular access to a library, which we can't do that as much anymore. We can. Actually, we can. Where? Um, we can. Library? So I don't know if it's going to be the same in San Diego since I'm in LA, but like I rent books um, from the oh. library and what you can do is and they're, they're having pickups. So you put oh, in book you cool. want, and they put in a little brown bag attached with your slip, all the information, and it's sitting right there for you. You just pick the time and slot and you go. I love it. I have three books that I'm now reading and it's helping me get off my phone. Um, so, you know, support your library and read some history about some people, you know, that's, that's super important. And then like, I guess like for that to segue back into our topic, because mm-hmm. we're talking about barriers and we're right. talking about, you know, things that have happened to our people in our history. But, you know, what's also important is there are a lot of barriers for black drag queens. Um, Mm -hmm. And for black, um, for black drag artists, and I'm saying artists, meaning black drag queens, black drag kings, and also non-binary drag people as well. And so like, what are some of them, you know, aside from colorism and racism, but you know, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's what we just talked about. Uh, (laughs) um, I I think what I will say is the, (laughs) because there's such an inundation of 
white performers or performers that are not people of color, right? Mm -hmm. um, it creates this vacuum where you start to feel like you have to be the one or where there's only enough space for one, right? And mm -hmm. you begin to either internalize this or the people that are like booking folks or the promoters and all that kind of stuff, they begin to internalize this. So then you get cast where there's like, oh, one or two black girls. And that's it, right? Because they're like, oh, well, you know, we, we don't want to have too many of y'all because we need, you know, uh, five of these other girls that are all going to be doing Ariana Grande numbers. And, you know, the, the crowd really wants to see that. They don't necessarily want to see you doing Missy Elliott or they don't necessarily want to see you doing Erica Badu, right? Um, and so I think that that becomes a really big barrier in terms of, like, the everyday performance um, part of being a Black drag performer. Um, in the off part of that, in the world of, like, digital drag and everything like that, I think what what is really rough is trying to make a name for yourself and trying to get noticed because a lot of like the big like drag accounts that like share a lot of performers that like really help a lot of people like grow their following and stuff like that um they tend to be white owned or they tend to mostly have white performers on them right like they mostly will feature white girls because that's what they typically see that's what's on their feed right so it's it becomes very hard to become part of that curated feed without feeling like you have to force yourself to start to look that certain way right or be become mm -hmm. that uh, marketable palatable uh, drag performer right? right so I'm I've been I've been grateful and uh, blessed enough to not necessarily have to do a lot of those things mm -hmm. um, my work has spoken for itself and people tend to enjoy what I stand for um, and you know for the people that don't necessarily always get the black thing of like they won't really understand the makeup they don't necessarily truly understand the fashion choices but they're like but you are really pretty and i like your makeup and you make me smile and i'm like that is enough for me that's enough for me if that's as much as you can give to me right now because in this interaction in this transaction of like you will find a picture of me you'll stand me you'll love me you'll love my performances mostly because they're high energy and you are not necessarily following the storyline you will still share me right which still grows my platform which then grows my message and my reach to be able to reach the people that understand what i'm about that understand what i'm trying to do to the people that actually will be inspired by seeing somebody so unapologetically uninhibitedly being themselves because it gives them permission and shows them a possibility model oh i can do that too right so there are barriers to being a, a black drag performer but i feel like in my life i've been able to confront those barriers and try to create an alternative route try to create something different right so in the realm of like getting booked for performances and stuff like that girl if i'm the one who's producing the show i don't have to worry about getting booked right i also don't have to worry about internalizing this oh there can only be one black girl vis-a-vis -vis, back in February, well, last year, well, I guess now it's technically two years, um, since we just spent about a year in quarantine, which is very weird to uh, think Woo! about right now, um, <laughs> but that. two years uh -huh. ago, right before quarantine in February, um, mm -hmm. I did the first ever Black Girl Magic uh, full Black cast drag show here in San Diego, which we had never had before, um, and we had special guest The Vixen from Paul's Drag Race Season 10, who was very, very well known for creating uh, Black Girl Magic in Chicago, and then there was a lot of them that began to pop up, because we began to see oh like we don't have to be all fighting for the one black girl spot in a fully in a predominantly white cast like we could just do our own Make shows our own, yeah right and so in that i was so beautiful in getting to provide a space and a platform for black other black performers to not only you know get to be booked and get that coin and get paid because i made sure they were paid well mm. 
Mm -hmm. Okay, but also for them to be able to produce their art in a space where they weren't under the guise of like whiteness and having to appease white people, white feelings, white guilt, all these different things that surrounds whiteness as an identity. They didn't, they didn't have to navigate with, they didn't have to negotiate with in that space because it was predominantly white, uh, predominantly white, it was predominantly black people in that audience. And it was black people performing for black people. It was so beautiful. And I remember I almost cried. The reason why I didn't, because like I had really good makeup and I didn't want to ruin it because I was about <laughs> to cry, like literally right before we started the whole show. So I was like, if I cry now, the makeup is ruined. Um, but I remember almost crying, just taking in being in that space and have and having been able to create it. Right. Mm -hmm. And now, because of having done that and because of the kind of performer that I am, the kind of shows that I produce, the kind of things that I stand for, I'm more or less now branded as like the Black Queen in San Diego, like and, the revolutionary, and, the activist. And I'm like, it's both a good thing and a bad thing. Like, I, oh. I have many different sides to me. Like, there's a goofy part to me. There's um, very nerdy parts to me. Like, there's very, you know, there's all, so many different parts to me than just Amber, the activist who's going to like do the Black thing. Yeah. Like, I can be her. But I can also just be like Amber, who like wants to do a super goofy number about um, Fortnite or something. Like I, I can be, I, there are multiple parts to me, right? right? So I think that's one of the other things that is kind of a barrier to being a Black performer is that once you become a specific kind of identity and Blackness, oh, okay. that's all anybody ever wants to see from you. And that's all they ever do see of you. Like I that's cannot bad. tell you the amount of people that when they, when they need me, it's only when there's an activist thing that's needed, right? It's only when they, they're like, oh, I, I'm having this moral dilemma and races is at play. I need your help. Like during a lot of the uh, um, like being uh, protests and demonstrations. Right. Yes. Yes. yes typecast. Like during so many of the demonstrations, things that were happening during the summer, I cannot tell you how many performers in the San Diego drag scene hit me up asking me more, which, which I'm also like, it, it's a give and a take, right? Like it's, it's a um, double, double-ended, double-ended, double-entendre? Wrong word. Du Double-edged sword. There we go. I was oh. about to say oh, a whole sorry, double Wait a minute. Uh, <laughs> wait a minute. Hold on. <laughs> Not double-ended. Sorry. Hold um, on. on. Double-edged sword. <laughs> sorry. Um, because in the same breath that I'm like, I'm very glad that people know that they can come to me as a resource. I'm also like, Mm, are you almost tokenizing me though, right? Like, either, like yeah, was there not yeah, other yeah, yeah. people that you could have asked? Was there not so many, like, was there not Google that you could have, you know, done some research on? Because like, yes, I want to be there as a support, but also let's take a moment and recognize that I am also a Black person who was going through the same thing that you were going through, not as a Black person, and you are trying to ask me what you should be doing. Where in that do I get the space to process my own emotions, right? right. Where in that do I get the space to, to exist through this or try to survive through all of that is happening, right? Yeah. So it's it's a double-ended sword, a double edge sword jesus <laughs> wow i had to stop myself moment, so she's had some, but it's okay um it's a double-edged sword but honestly you know this is this is part this is part of the task this is part of what i um to myself agreed to when i decided to walk this path and become this kind of performer and stand for something is i myself not saying that every performer takes the same situation and path and that you should be doing this to every performer <laughs> everybody's different um but for me like this is something that i did to myself agree to of like all right if you're going to be this activist icon be that activist icon mm -hmm. like make sure that you're creating boundaries for yourself creating space for yourself to refill yourself because it can get very very tiring to always have to be there for people or not have to but to always be willingly ready to be there for people when they need it or need that education or need that uh that shoulder to cry on or someone to unpack with about things that they're not necessarily comfortable talking to other people about yeah, that's especially with, especially what happened a lot with last year, I could imagine since that's an experience that I would probably never feel in any part of my life, but I really hope that you did at least took some time to process 
those emotions that you've had too because oh i did <laughs> i did performance honestly like in the same breath that i got was tired i was also very very grateful because Look, it kept me very booked and busy. When you're branded <laughs> as an activist queen and the entire world is burning and activists are at the forefront of causing revolution and change, honey, you get booked and busy. So I was <laughs> able to very much process through a lot of that through my performance of the kind of performances that I would do and the kind of numbers that I would then begin to produce, which is how I then became, uh, was able to work again with the Vixen um, and being asked to be in two of her Black Girl Magic shows that she was doing digitally. Um, and it was, it was so great like I'm so grateful that I have that space in this art form to be able to process some of my emotions mm-hmm. and be able to work through a lot of the stuff that I go through on an everyday basis just being black and alive yeah because like I like you said being an activist first and foremost you got to put yourself out there first and then people rely on you for those things because you might be that one person that fits another another stranger's identity somewhere in the middle of San Diego and they look to you and then like you can imagine that it could be disheartening if you don't do activism as often as you do or you take the time for whatever personal reasons that you could potentially do it for but if they, they don't see then they would they, they would be left hanging and that's like I said it's a double-edged sword you don't want to leave them hanging you want their voices to be seen or you want to speak for them in a space where they can't be when, when they're not able to for whatever xyz reason it Absolutely. is but all that the the draining it, it can be very draining i can imagine but for oh, you okay yeah. you're busy and you put work <laughs> into your work if i were to do i'm just like I, I'd, I'd be drained i'll be like i need it's to take a six-month hiatus it's very tiring <laughs> one show six-month hiatus where we drink ocean I mean, for, for maybe about a month, I did uh, take a little bit of a break, mm-hmm. um, which is so funny because nobody was able to know because I had pre-made, I like pre-batched a lot of content of like awesome. photos to, uh, to to post and oh, okay, uh, okay. So, you had a like that. so nobody, nobody knew that I probably, I took about a month off from like actively doing drag and like getting into drag right after our holiday show that we did, uh, Nutcrackers, um, through Sisters of St. James Productions. Like the month after that, I did not get into drag at all. Um, and it felt amazing not to get out of bed, to just sleep all day, not to be concerned or worried about like, oh, I need to do this look, or I need to do this show, or oh, I need to do this number. I did not do anything, but nobody knew. Oh, fully! And because, because I also, um, and this is, I guess, a humble brag, but because I am booked a lot for a lot of things, um, not only a lot of things in the public eye, but also a lot of, like, personal things where people like, oh, come perform at this, or come do this, come do that, right? Um, I had a lot of content where when people would ask me to, like, oh, would you like to be a part of this, you know, this performance or the show, or whatever, I could still be a part of it and not have to do a whole new number because I had so many numbers backed up that I was like, oh, I'll just do one that nobody has seen in, like, a good minute, or one where mm-hmm. it was only uploaded to Instagram and, like, only, like, five people saw it or something like that, which, I mean, we know that that's, that's not accurate uh, yeah because you're a little people. you're a little famous, <laughs> like not a humble brag but like a straight up brag like well I'm a little famous, like, you know tell your I followers mean, to smack oh, like we're, this we're, 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 we're getting we're getting to fame we're just gonna hope it don't go to my head which i i know that it won't because i've made sure i surrounded myself with people that honey would keep me humble. if it goes to your head and it's bigger than that afro we will pull you down <laughs> i don't know if i want to pull you. her down though because i think it looks <laughs> great it's a great look on her why not? Yes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying because, like, if someone got, if someone has to be self-absorbed, it's I don't want it to be me. 
<laughs> I'll do it for all of them. I'll, 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 I'll take all the hot air. I'll do no, it. No. Like, uh, tell your followers to smack, like, and comment this podcast on Spotify, Apple, yes. Apple Podcasts. Where like you can that. find it for local podcasts. Yeah. Whatever you can find your local podcast. <laughs> share some of that fame with me because <laughs> look, once I get it, I'll share it. I'm still working <laughs> on it, okay? I am not famous by any means. Okay, I'm sorry, okay. Let's not forget last year. Um, was it last? Yes, it was last it was last year. Uh it was all it's all like blurred into one. Um last year, <laughs> I remember seeing Miss Ammer doing a promotion. You were wow, like first of all you've done so much so as like a fan and friend like trying to remember everything that you've done and constantly smashing the like button <laughs> <laughs> everything was learning to one um I remember you talking about like it was like signing up it wasn't wasn't like a, it wasn't like a vote thing it was like making sure you sign up and like you get involved in like this particular program I cannot remember what it is oh was it the um it was the uh, mutual artist fund I think I believe so mm-hmm. yes. yes 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 so the fact that they were like we want Miss Amberson James to come up and talk. Here are the cameras. We want you, only you, lights, camera, action on you. Let's just <laughs> let's just talk about like, you know, that is a huge thing. And I know sometimes you're like, oh, it's okay. But like right before I was about to do it too. I was like, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Well, like, you know, no one's, ask, no one's asking me to do that. Oh my goodness. <laughs> what are you talking I mean, about? I call you. <laughs> it's really, it's just about like what I stand for. Like, right, right. I, I can't say too much, but there is some things in the works oh, um, from oh, somebody spoilers. who found me spoilers, on please. Instagram um, who works for a really big company. Anyways, um, and they wanted follow. to do some it, kind of project or something it, it, with me. <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> um, they want to do oh my god I love that (laughs) um and they want to do like a project with me that would be really it would be a really big um and really great opportunity um and it was after that I was like oh wow like I people people really understand what I stand for and they put value on it right and that's what which is really sad to say that like that's what you know that's what helped me really start to try to fight against like like that imposter syndrome of like not being able to see which I know a lot of people are probably like how do you not see the value in you when like you sit here and you talk about what your value is like you you clearly understand what it is so why don't you see it right yeah um, but imposter imposter syndrome is very very strong um, but it was after that that I was like wow like I really am out here doing it like you I do- you're doing the I'm doing, doing the, the thing, thing that like, I want to thing. do which is so great <laughs> doing the, the big girl things you're doing it doing yes, it. yes oh my god don't sell yourself short but i know that's something that ev- like at somebody probably feels the same way of like if you're doing big amazing things and you don't feel like you're really doing it, it's like someone out there really thinks you are just <laughs> you're doing somebody the thing it, even when Some we don't until mm-hmm. we do yeah that's Absolutely. why uh let me see how much of your how many followers you have so you have <laughs> 3,226 <laughs> plus me, <laughs> plus me who wait, who believe in you. <laughs> so, yeah, and the uh, and the and the, and the ones who are like lurking, like lurking around because lurkers are the, the big supporters for digital content producers out there. The ones who lurk, who are still looking, they may not like everything or may not comment on everything, but the ones who are still looking and looking forward to your stuff, though, those are the people who are also uh looking forward to all your works. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, yeah, but i think we covered everything we could do like a post-show talk after this but i just wanted to let everybody know that for the closing it's just like 
everyone who made this happen, especially <laughs> it's Elise. Elise made this happen because she did this on my behalf. Because <laughs> I'm a very Ako Taco, like I'm a legit Ako Taco when it comes to like okay, networking. I'm working taco. on it. I'm trying to work on it. <laughs> the 2021 goals is me working on networking so I could get diverse cast out here. And especially for today, yes, not just for Black History Month, but for other like for other other shows and for other reasons that's not just tied to just race you know but thank you so much amber for joining of course us. thank you for having me this is a good old <laughs> little time this was sickening i had so much fun <laughs> i i just want to say like because we always do this uh we do our, like our last soap boxes uh for the episode uh do you want to go first amber since you are sure today? um what's your last soapbox me- what 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 exactly is a soapbox? Whatever you whatever <laughs> you want, whatever your closing you thoughts. Yeah. What is your soapbox? Oh, okay. Work, work. Okay, I love that. Oh, work. Um, <laughs> Great, I love. Oh, um, I would say my last closing thing, and it's something that I say a lot. It's actually the motto of my a drag family in our house. Um, is you are enough, and I see you. Um, and this goes out to like everyone, like the world will tell us that we're not enough. So we have to be willing to look in that mirror every morning and tell ourselves that we are enough and that we see ourselves. We can see the work that we're doing. We can see the value in us. We can see that we are valued and we are worthy of love, that we see ourselves and that we are enough. Oof, that's chills. I love it. I, love it. <laughs> I, I have thoughts on that after of all, I'll go last since I'm the host. I, I get to take the hot seat this time. <laughs> My show, I guess, I guess, it, I guess, to be self-absorbed for the last bit. <laughs> yes, take it. Love it, love it, love it, love um, it. All right, Elise, um, mini, <laughs> <laughs> whichever you prefer. Um, you know, my soapbox is what I said last episode. Uh, research it, Google it, YouTube it, look it up. If you're curious to find it, you know, look it up and research it. And then if you are if you do feel uncomfortable researching it and you do feel like you want to ask someone who is a POC, um, you know, who is a part of the LGBT community or sometimes the intersectionality, like the trio here, um, you know, you know, just ask, but ask in a proper way. Just say, hey, I'm curious about this. If you don't mind, I would like to get your insight. Mm-hmm. If you come at it like that, we are more than willing to be a part and to answer those questions for you. But you also have to understand that if we don't feel comfortable, that's okay, you know? And so mm-hmm. that's valid. And so, you know, I think it's really important to ask and uh, to do what you can to research. I definitely try to do my best to research and to look and to ask questions because I can't be self-absorbed. I can't be ethnocentric. I have to fight that. And because there's more people than just my little bubble. So, you know, there's billions of people on this planet. Learn about it. Mm-hmm. That's my soapbox. Well said. <laughs> and to tie both of those things, uh, we'll, we'll take Amber's first because she's our VIP for today. Sorry, they're, <laughs> they're our VIP. I'm trying to get everyone's pronouns it's right. Okay. So I use they, them, or she, her. I just forgot to put she, her on there because I was very quickly just typing in pronouns in general because I was like, oh, I forget to put my pronouns <laughs> in my little Zoom call. No, no worries. It's 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 something I'm just trying to make a better habit of because I, I've done the thing before. I've like in my young dumb and ignorant ways before misgendered some of my friends who are now either transitioning into their life or they're uh, coming into better terms of what they feel more comfortable at and obviously trying to be a better support of all my friends all my guests I want to make sure my pronouns are correct as much as I can um, I just know that I do make mistakes and as long as I correct them on air and in private 
and you know reach out to them as well that's the most that i could do and then whether um we, we square we square we are here for it we love yeah. it i love that i love that Ooh, anyways uh sorry for that it's getting hot in here does this one feel like half hot air do you need miss amber's fan because i think you do <laughs> uh, but yeah. there we go Rep- mm. yes mm, yes ooh, it vanilla. i must have sprayed vanilla on this last time <laughs> <laughs> no but uh just to tie in a couple of things of uh like what amber said just being able to look into that mirror uh to say that you are enough even if the world says you're not for however they do it like covertly or in your face by this like this the color of your skin or the identity or gender expression that you use it's you are enough if like if it does take a little more time to stare into the mirror but just know that someone out there does and then i hope to that one day when it's more comfortable and when you feel safe and you feel loved for yourself you should be able to see it too but that that will take some time and that's perfectly okay we have a lot of a lot more time than usual obviously <laughs> in the quarantine. and then also like bridging with at least said yes it's black history month and yes we are highlighting some big key figures today or just in general in history but there is more there are more unsung heroes that never got their names put on papers or in history books or not highlighting powerpoints and pretty pretty slides in talks around the world uh there, there is a lot more to unpack. There is more to just um, the dark history, slavery, civil rights, movements, all that. There's like those little tiny cornerstone heroes, the one who make their first bakery in their town or mm-hmm. the one that uh, tried a new sport or creators, innovators, producers, content makers like like Amber St. James here, who is a Prince X. <laughs> Yes. Making earning titles oh, like there we go, that title. Yeah, making titles, making new things that's not just tied to the it's not always it doesn't always have to be sad and drab. History doesn't always have to be sad and drab and hurt. It could be something great and beautiful. And we need to look into those things. And sometimes the only way we'll know if it's not gonna be taught in schools or in college, at YouTube, Google, you have podcasts, you have books in your dig- in your fingertips in the libraries like i said uh, please check your libraries by the way that's my other insert <laughs> check your libraries uh those are some of the beautiful things because if no one's going to teach you you got to find it yourself and i learned a lot today i hey. learned a lot today because i was able to get connected with these two individuals who teach me a lot more about their history and then i got to a lot they get to be a little bit more comfortable in mine because at some point i'm going to have to confront some of those things too further down the line once we get to uh Asian American History Month or Pacific Islander Month or just in just in the general. I probably already flipped that up. So sorry, please don't dox me for that later. <laughs> but uh yeah, so that's my soapbox uh for that. So this is a long episode, but I think it was well worth it uh, for what we've learned and what we have talked about and the spaces that we've opened. And I really do hope that whoever's listening to this, our viewers or fans or someone who's just coming in to take a quick peek that uh we love our all of our sisters, our brothers from all different creeds, from all different parts of the world, because that's, I think, indomitably, that's the best thing about being human. We care, and we should continue caring, despite all the barriers that we have in between us, even in this godforsaken pandemic. <laughs> yes. Our sisters, our brothers, our non-binary folk, mm-hmm. we love you. We're here for you. And, you know. You are seen. You yes. are seen. Yes. Yes. Very important. Yeah, All right. this is a good Kiki, y'all. This is good. This is good. Okay. This is good. Off air, you're gonna have to explain to me some of these words because I do not know what they mean. Okay, 
But we'll get there. We'll get there. The post <laughs> means a talk, a convo, a gossip session. Yes. Um, talking <laughs> more like yes. it's just talking. <laughs> yes. Yes. All right. Well, until the next episode, sometime in March. I still need to find guests. <laughs> Someone needs to help me. Anyways, uh, until then, uh, I hope everyone has a good rest of their evening because this is when I post it in the evening, or if it's your mornings, good morning. And that'll be all from us today. So let's go slap our hands together for a slate in three, two, one. In. <laughs>